This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. From the Rhode Island State House in Providence, Rhode Island, I sit down with Rhode Island General Treasurer Seth Magaziner. Seth Magaziner was elected General Treasurer of Rhode Island in 2014 and has utilized his experience in venture capital to develop and implement several programs intended to promote economic growth for all Rhode Islanders. In our conversation, Treasurer Magaziner and I discussed these programs, how a favorable marketplace plays a role in executing these ideas, and his own experiences running and winning in landslides as a first-time candidate in 2014. Okay, and right before we get to my conversation with Rhode Island General Treasurer Seth Magaziner, I want to let you know that Bartholomew Town is now available on Spotify. Just search for the Bartholomew Town podcast and subscribe right there. Okay, without further ado, from the Rhode Island State House, my conversation with Seth Magaziner. Okay, so we are here at the Rhode Island State House with General Treasurer Seth Magaziner. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, what, what's your day like as General Treasurer? Well, um, no day is the same, but I feel very fortunate because at a basic level, I get to go to work every day and help people. Um, this is public service. I take that idea very seriously. Um, I was elected. Uh, because I think people were looking for a state treasurer who would bring some new ideas and some innovation to the office and find ways to use the office to help strengthen the economy and just make a difference in people's everyday lives. So uh, if the question is, what's my day like? Uh, the answer is it really varies, but I would say you know, 50 to 60% of my time is spent on the operations of running the office, but a good... 40 to 50% of my day is spent working on new ideas and new initiatives, most of them in the vein of finding ways to use the office to help promote economic growth and to help uh, strengthen families' financial security as well. Yeah, and you certainly have quite a few programs that have been initiatives or continuations of, of positive things that we've seen here in Rhode Island. What are some of the programs you're most proud of? RI Local comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, one of my priorities is finding ways to use the office to help promote economic growth and bring jobs back to Rhode Island. And one of the ways that we've done that is uh, by moving millions of dollars of the state's cash. That's our money, our, you know, as taxpayers in Rhode Island, moving our cash back home to local community banks and credit unions to support more small business lending in Rhode Island. You know, small business really is the backbone of the economy in Rhode Island. More than 90% of the businesses in Rhode Island are small businesses. Uh, about half of all of the workers in Rhode Island work for small businesses. Yet there are a lot of small business owners who have a hard time growing, expanding, hiring more people because they have a hard time getting the access to capital. So that's what we're trying to solve for here. And the studies show that a small business is much more likely to get a loan from a local community bank or credit union. A lot of those smaller institutions, though, don't have a lot of capital to lend out. So by moving millions of dollars of the state's cash back home to those local institutions, we've been able to help uh, small businesses um, get that access to capital. Since we launched that program, we've helped more than 200 small businesses 
uh, get loans, and those are loans that they're going to use to expand, grow their business, hire more people. So that's one example of a way that we've used the office to help contribute to the economic recovery uh, here in Rhode Island. Um, another initiative that I'm very proud of is our effort to reunite Rhode Islanders with their missing money. Their uh, I mean, Senator, can thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, did you yeah, get a? I did. I got a notification that uh, actually it was NBC Universal. You know, they they really? tried to duck out of it. I guess it ended up in your hands. So thanks for the. Uh, yeah, was it, was it a lot? <laughs> no, I, I think I got maybe these this pair of pants right here or something. All right, but yeah, worth hey, it, that, that's something. Know? Yeah, so um, you know, unclaimed property is really uh, something that every Rhode Islander should know of. So, so if a company owes you money, whether it's NBC Universal or. National Grid or Bank of America, whatever it may be, if a company owes you money but they don't know how to find you because they don't have your up-to-date information, they don't just get to keep your money. They are required to turn it over to us if you're a Rhode Islander, and it's our job to reunite people with their missing money. And when I took office, this was done in a very old-fashioned way. So we would run an ad in the Providence Journal once a year saying, hey, check, go online and check the list and see if you have any missing money. Um, you know, we would have our staff go out to like the farmer's market or the beach and like literally put up a tent and wait for people to walk by. And so when we started, you know, we were talking about this, me, me and my staff, and we said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. It's 20, you know, at that time it was 2015. Like there's got to be a more efficient way to get people's missing money back to them. And so last year we passed legislation that allows us to match our unclaimed property database with other databases in-state government and beyond so that we can find people and if we find people we will automatically send them checks or notifications in the mail now so since we launched that program back around thanksgiving of last year so nine months ago we have reunited fifty thousand people with their missing money the average checks that went out were uh, the average check size was two hundred and fifty dollars so that's a big deal. Like that's for a family, yeah, yeah, for a family on a tight budget or a senior on a fixed income, to get a check in the mail for two hundred fifty dollars, you know, it could be more, it could be a little less, is a big deal. We were able to do that for fifty thousand people over the last year, um, and in most cases, these are people who didn't have any idea that they were even owed this money until they woke up and went down to the mailbox and there's a check in the mail. So, you know, to me. Strengthening the economy doesn't just mean helping businesses. It also means helping families with their personal finances, and this is an example of that. And then one other project that I would highlight that I'm very excited about is our the plan that we developed to make a once-in-a-generation investment repairing Rhode Island's public school buildings. Every child deserves to go to a school that is safe and warm and dry and equipped for 21st century learning. Unfortunately, in Rhode Island today, we have many school buildings where that is not the case. School buildings that are literally crumbling, that are not safe, that are not equipped to deliver the kinds of lessons that kids need. And so working with the governor and the General Assembly, we developed a plan to invest a billion dollars over the next five years repairing school buildings all across Rhode Island. That plan is now in front of the voters on the ballot this November. So I... Well, I hope that people vote for me in November. I really hope that they vote yes on the school construction plan because uh, we need it. You know, our kids need it. And by the way, we'll put thousands of tradesmen and women to work in the process actually fixing these buildings. So those are some examples of some of the things that we've been working on um, here in this office 
that I'm proud of and that I think are making a difference in people's lives. Yeah, not to mention you can shape minds in such a way that industries that don't even exist yet might come out of a Rhode Island public school. Not to say it can't come out of a building that has asbestos or crumbling ceilings, but boy, is it more logical that it would be a more uh, comprehensive place of foster learning. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, and and, you know, a lot of these buildings, we've got... um, almost 100 buildings, school buildings in Rhode Island that are more than 75 years old. And back then, they didn't know how important it was to have natural light, to have, you know, um, uh, modular layouts that give teachers the flexibility in how they set up their classroom. Like a lot of things that we understand today are important for education, they just didn't have back then. Um, the buildings haven't kept up with the kind of teaching and the kind of learning that happens today. I'll give you another example. We're um, in Rhode Island today now, a lot of school districts are teaching computer coding starting in elementary school. And I was meeting with a group of teachers in West Warwick recently. One of them raised his hand and said, Hey, all my sixth graders were doing coding. All my sixth graders have Chromebooks, they have laptops that they got donated, which was great. But he said, I've got 36th graders with laptops and my classroom only has one electrical outlet. So the buildings just haven't kept up with the kind of learning that's happening. Science labs is another one. We have high schools in Rhode Island that don't have functioning science labs. At a time when we're trying to recruit high-tech companies to move to Rhode Island or expand in Rhode Island, the idea that you have a kid who graduates high school without ever seeing the inside of a science lab, like it's crazy. So we've got to fix these buildings. Yeah, these are outrageous problems that really are, are, you know, you can throw out any type of idea as a candidate or state office holder, but if you don't work from the bottom up, I mean, what can you really accomplish, right? Let's talk about the the business of Rhode Island. Um, You obviously have an extensive background in finance and we're in an interesting place right now. I just read eight percent in excess of eight percent growth on the is that the which the pension, the pension, pension fund? Business. Yeah. Uh, how is that? What's what's that project like for you? How much of your experience from whether it's Point Judith or your time yeah. in Boston, whatever it is, how much of that are you applying to operating this fund? A lot. So every Rhode Islander deserves to retire with dignity especially those who spend their lives serving the rest of the state, whether it's as public school teachers or first responders, social workers, other public employees, deserve to have comfort and predictability in their retirement. That's why it's so important that we have the pension fund perform well, because historically in Rhode Island, the fund has struggled. There were a whole series of reforms in the past and and, and so on, Now, my focus is on making sure that we deliver strong performance for the pension fund so that the pension fund gets stronger and that we never have to do another one of those reforms again. Um, Two years ago, we launched what I call the Back to Basics Investment Plan for the pension system. We are moving money away from hedge funds and some of the other sort of high-fee, lower-performing investments that we've been in before back to a more traditional investment strategy. And it's working. So you just mentioned uh, we just got our fiscal year results back this week. We earned about 8% on our investments last year, which is above our target. We aim for a 7% annual return, so we beat our target for the second year in a row. Since I took office three and a half years ago, we've earned 
about $1.6 billion for the pension fund. And so we're getting there. We're making progress. Um, we're still not where we want to be yet, um, but we're at least progressing in the right direction. And we can say to all of those Rhode Islanders who depend on the pension system for their retirement security, and we can say to the taxpayers who help fund the pension system, that the pension system is stronger today than it has been in many years. Um, and the good results that we just announced bear that out. So we're making progress, we're digging our way out of the hole, and um, it's good to be able to say to people that the pension fund is finally moving in the right direction. In terms of just macro right now, do you feel like we're in a good economic situation nationally, globally, and are you able to use that kind of to your advantage as you oversee these funds or the fund? Yeah, so at a global level, you know, we are now eight to nine years into a national economic recovery, which is certainly helpful for the pension fund and for the state in general. Unemployment is low, inflation has been low, so that's all good. Um, I am concerned about our outlook from here. I think we have real issues in this country with income inequality that if we do not address those, we will have, it'll come back to bite us. It'll come back to bite us economically, you know, politically, socially. So that is a challenge. I think that the volatile nature of our leadership in Washington, D.C. is also not particularly helpful and uh, does lead to, you know, volatility in the stock market, among other things. So, um, you know, generally speaking, globally and nationally, we're in a period of economic growth that we've been in now since, you know, 2009, 2010. That's all good. But I think that, um, you know, there's still cause to be cautious about what the outlook is from here. And so when it comes to investing in the pension fund, for example, part of our strategy is we do allocate a portion of the fund toward more defensive investment strategies that are expected to protect us the next time there's a downturn. Because even though the stock market's done well the last couple of years, and that's great, we know that not every year is going to be a year where the market goes up, and we want to make sure that we are well protected uh, the next time that there's a market correction. So, you know, our basic strategy is, is we're diversified. We have a portion of the pension fund invested in those growth-seeking assets that will perform well for us when the market does well. But we also know that there are going to be bad years in the future. That's just the nature of things. And so we do invest a portion of the pension fund more defensively to help us in those bad times. Outside of defense, what are some of the larger industries, defense and all things related, if you will, like, what would you say are some of the larger industries you're trying to attract to Rhode Island or already exist here? You know, I think that what you really want to have a strong economy in, in a state is um, an economy that's diversified. If you rely too much on any one industry, you're exposing yourself to the risks of those industries, right? So I think what we ought to be shooting for is a range of, you know, to, to bring employers to Rhode Island and to expand employers across a range of different sectors. So that can be healthcare, that can be IT and tech, that can be the marine and defense industry. Um, 
But the common denominator across all those, I think, is you want these to be jobs that are um, high value add jobs that pay good wages. Um, nationally and in the Northeast and in Rhode Island to some extent, one of the things that we've struggled with is that even as a lot of people have re-entered the workforce and the unemployment rate has come down, a lot of people have been going into jobs that pay less than the jobs that they had left before or, or the jobs that they had been laid off from before. So to the extent that the state has incentive programs to try to encourage companies to move to Rhode Island or expand to Rhode Island, I think it's very important that those incentive programs be targeted at those high value at industries that have higher wages. Um, you know, we don't necessarily want to be subsidizing, uh, you know, call centers that pay low wages and that are at risk of being disrupted by new technology in the future, right? Um, so, you know, bottom line, I think we want to aim for diversification. We want to have a number of different industries represented to the extent that the state is incentivizing companies to move to Rhode Island or expand to Rhode Island. We want to focus those incentives because those are finite dollars that we have to work with. We want to focus those incentives at the higher value add industries. But then, you know, another piece of, of having strong employment and a strong economy is um, making sure that there are lots of jobs available in the building trades, too. Uh, we had unemployment in Rhode Island in excess of 20% in the building and construction trades just four or five years ago. So doing things like repairing our public school buildings, um, repairing our infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, these are also things that as a state I think we need to be investing in because the bottom line is not everybody is going to be a coder or you know a working in a, uh, a biotech lab. Um, and so construction jobs and trade jobs can pay very well, and we should be encouraging that in Rhode Island, especially on those public infrastructure projects that we need anyway in order for the economy to be productive. Do you feel 15 is a good number for a minimum wage, or is that just kind of an arbitrary number we've been hearing for years now that, just in your broad judgment, is that is that enough for the average person whether they're caring for a family or not, to survive off of. Yeah. So I do think that we need a minimum wage that is a living wage, and that is a wage that, um, you know, a person can survive off of, a family can survive off of. Um, I don't know what that exact number is. Uh, so I know that it's a higher number than what we are at currently. Uh, so I don't know if it's 15, I don't know if it's, you know, 13, 12, whatever it is, but I do know that, uh, we can and we should do better than where we are at today. And at a certain point, too, once we get to a minimum wage that's closer to a living wage, we also need to talk about indexing, too, um, and making sure that we have a minimum wage that actually automatically keeps up with inflation rather than having it be a political process where you have to keep coming back to the legislature over and over and over again. So, um, you know, look, I, I think we've raised the minimum wage three times in Rhode Island in the last four years, and that's good. But it's not enough. We should do more. So um, in our last couple of minutes here, if we don't mind just turning to decision 2018 here, you're two for two, right, in terms of a campaign's Democratic primary in general? Yeah, so I've only run uh, – This is, so I ran in 2014 for treasurer. That was the first time I had ever run for office. And, um, yeah, I won a, a primary and a general then. 
And so now I'm um, running for re-election, hoping to do another tour duty and uh, continue the progress that we've been making. You're an interesting character because we're similar age. You know, you're, you're, you appeal to younger people who are hungry for new ideas to get into the state house, but you also are, um, for whatever reason, you, I, mean, I think you doubled your Democratic primary opponent's votes in that primary, and there was an independent challenger. I don't have notes in front of me. Sorry to whoever that those individuals are, but you, in other words, you have a broad base of support. It would seem within the party and statewide. Is that does that feel? What does it feel like? You, you're you're unusual in, in that sense. Well, I don't think it's about me. I think it's about the ideas that we've been running on and the priorities that we have. So, um, I think I did well four years ago because voters were looking for new voices, fresh faces. And they were looking for people who would run for office to produce real results. Um, keep in mind, I mean, four years ago, we still had the highest unemployment rate in the country. We had tens of thousands of people out of work. And I ran on a platform of using the treasurer's office to help contribute to an economic recovery. So I think that's the message that won. I don't know that it was me as a person. Um, and so, you know, I hope that People will see the progress that we've made, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, helping small businesses grow and expand, getting people their missing money back, repairing our public school buildings, um, delivering strong performance for the pension fund. I hope that people will see that and, um, you know, decide that they want to see that progress continued. But it really is, I think, about the work and about the priorities and the ideas. It's not about me as a person. It's, that must feel good, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's the point of the office is, to, is the work. So kudos yeah. to you if you know, your message is what people are after and they're not attacking yeah. you personally and, and so forth. I'm sure there are people calling John DePietro right as we speak and complaining, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, look, that comes with the territory. And, like, in a democracy, there should always be, you know, debate. And, um, and that, that's good and that's healthy. But, uh, no, what I will say is... Um, I have been very pleasantly surprised at how even with all of the craziness in politics and all of the negativity in politics, it is possible to get things done when you're in office if you work hard. You know, um, it's not like we came in here with all these big ideas and haven't been able to get any of them done. Like We actually have gotten things done and that to me is very heartening. Um, because it's easy to be cynical about politics, it's easy to be cynical about government, but if you come in and you're prepared to work hard and you have the right priorities, it is actually possible to accomplish things that make a difference in people's lives. Hey, thanks for listening. Remember, you may now find the Bartholomew Town Podcast on Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Bill Bartholomew. Each episode is posted at BartholomewTown.com or RIPodcast.com. And be on the lookout for more Bartholomew Town articles in Motif Magazine. Until next time, we'll talk soon.